Hello and welcome to another episode of our Brothers Creed podcast where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared. And today we talk with Sean McMullen, a treasure hunter uh, out of Nova Scotia, Canada. Sean is a man of many different talents. He's a photographer. Uh, he's a, He was actually featured in Canada's version of National Geographic, he said. Uh, he's a YouTuber. He's a uh, he started doing his treasure hunting kind of the start of the pandemic, and he was actually featured in the newspaper, a local newspaper in Nova Scotia, and uh, some of the things that he found and uh, some of the uh, cleanup work that he's been doing in, in the waters uh, that he's been diving in. He's kind of taken on a passion of treasure hunting and finding things, and as well as just cleaning up and leaving the world a better place uh, that he found it in regards to uh, picking up trash and... Uh, you know, just uh, talking with others and sharing his passion. So we're excited to have him today, and let's go ahead and dive in. All right, let's do it. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done. All right. Today we have a special guest guest with us, Sean McMullen. Sean, thank you for for taking your time out of your day to meet with us. Hey, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, for sure. So, so Sean, he he does a lot of different things. He's a man of many talents. He, uh, you, uh, treasure hunter, diver, uh, or a free diver. Uh, I know you, you've dabbled in some scuba diving. Um, family man, family man, photographer. I know you, at one point you said you you were a journalist. I mean. You got a lot. Have had a lot of stuff going, so uh, yeah. you know we're excited to have you on and to ask you a bunch of questions about uh, you know your your life and and what you like to do. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. What, what, what's your story? Yeah. So uh, my name yeah my name's Sean. Um, I've been born and raised in Halifax, Nova Scotia, tiny little province on the east coast of Canada. Uh, we share the same water with you guys. <laughs> Down in the Carolinas, although yours is probably a bit warmer. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's probably colder up um, here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like born and raised, um, I lived here. I moved away at the age of seventeen. I went to a Bible college actually oh. in Ontario, and I met my wife there. Very cool. Uh, not planning to get married. Like I wasn't going to meet someone, but I ended up uh, meeting her. We got married. When we were 19, turning 20, I'm 34, uh, didn't really know what we were doing, but I just, I met her and I was like, her name's Ruth. And uh, I just knew I like, I was like, I found my best friend and we went through, yeah, we got married young. Um, we had, we went through a lot together. I went to school after I got married for journalism and then, um, yeah, we, she got pregnant uh, when she was 22 and then we had our daughter, our first of three. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was uh, a crazy time in my life. I, I can't even remember most of those years anymore. <laughs> it's um, just a blur. Cause we did so much so fast. Yeah, it was a blur and, and it was crazy and beautiful and, and special and extremely trying like all those things. And, um, I've grown a lot. You know, we both grown a lot since then. And now we're at this kind of sweet age where we're 34, um, happily married, like love her to death. She's my best friend. 
Um, and uh, our kids are 11, 8, and 6. And now all my friends, all my buddies are having their, starting to have their kids. They've got little babies and they're exhausted. Or my brother, he just, they just adopted a boy uh, from India recently. And he's three. <laughs> and it's just oh, like, they're, they're exhausted. The fir- that's tired, his first? But, yeah. So, pardon me? Is that his first, ba- his first child? He gets a yeah, three-year-old? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. So I have wow. two brothers and a sister. Uh, Ryan, Matt, and Lindsay. Uh, Ryan has three kids already, so he knows. Uh, Matt has adopted, and then my sister, Lindsay, she's engaged to be married for next year, provided the pandemic. Who knows, right? Yeah, COVID stuff. Well, it's I kind mean, of kiboshing a lot of weddings, but yeah. So that's kind of like so. I um, when I was twenty or what was it twenty twenty one, we moved back to Halifax after I got my journalism education. Didn't really, it's just kind of just working jobs, just trying to make some money. Didn't really have much to go on. And then I got this job at a company called Viewpoint, which uh, wonderful company and, and, and people and, and mentors. They gave me a shot and I kind of just worked my way up. Very small startup company that I've been with for now 10 years. And they allowed me to like kind of learn in that environment while getting paid and contributing to the company. So uh, forever grateful for that opportunity there so i've been doing that and then in recent years i've started a photography side business um got into, we'll get into that the treasure hunting and all that stuff that that came out of the pandemic and i i'm excited to share that story as well but that's like my life in a super nutshell there's there's you guys know there's more but. yeah well you're you're amongst good company here i i married my wife was 19 when we got married i was 21 uh, and yeah. Ethan was similarly. We were both twenty-one, yeah, young. So, yeah. Yeah. Too. <laughs> and we we all have kids, obviously, so we know how that is. Yeah. Um, but let's yeah. maybe let's maybe talk more about diving into your treasure hunting experience yeah. and and how you got into that. That's is, yeah. did that just start with the pandemic? Honestly, yeah, it kind of. So I'm gonna I'll trace it back to January 2020 pre-pandemic. Well, we, the news was out there about it. Didn't, no one knew obviously that the world was going to change. But I made a decision at that point, this is related to this, but to stop, to stop drinking alcohol. Like I wasn't like a boozer or anything or an alcoholic, but I was just like, you know what? I'm 33. I'm kind of just done, done with that. I don't, I don't really want to do that anymore. It wasn't, and that'll lead to the thing at the very end of the podcast, the mantra or the the creed, but uh, so I won't give it away now, but I basically made the decision to stop and what started happening was that that void that once that part of me was kind of removed, I wasn't trying to, I was starting to fill it up with different things. So I was trying, I was supposed to go mountaineering in Washington state uh, on a mountain called Mount Baker with my friend from Vancouver. Uh, But that got canceled because of the pandemic. So mountaineering was out. So I was like, okay, well, Months went on. I was kind of just, we were housebound, couldn't go anywhere. And I was like, I need to do something. Like I'm an, I'm an adventurous guy, like hiking, swimming, you name it. And so I saw a wetsuit on like Facebook marketplace and I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. I kind of want to go, I think I might go snorkeling. I was saying to my wife, Ruth, it's like, I might just, I've been watching some treasure hunting videos on YouTube, guys who are magnet fishing or scuba diving for treasure. And I was like, I loved doing that as a kid. And it's like, I might just go check out some spots that I've been scouting out in Halifax, which is, you know, rich with history dating back to the 1700s. So I'm going to go try my luck. So I bought a suit, um, 
didn't have a head covering, no fins, no gloves. I was just like just a wetsuit, three millimeters, not very warm. And I went in for an hour and I found like a couple bottles and I was hooked. I was like, this is awesome. Like I had such a good time. It was a good workout. So that kind of just like snowballed. I started like doing more and more and I started taking everything with me that I found underwater. I wouldn't just like, if I saw something, I would take it. Cause I figured I, I felt like I had a responsibility. Like no one else was there. I'm here. There's trash in the water uh, along with treasure and I'm just going to take it out. So I started taking it out and then I started um, grouping it together to take a picture of it at the end. I don't really know what possessed me to do that. I just thought this might be interesting. People might find that interesting. Yeah. It's your treasure hoard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whether it's trash or treasure. And I started taking pictures of it and just putting it on social media. And then there was one night I was out with my dad at this, we have an iconic place called Peggy's Cove, Nova Scotia in Canada, iconic scenic place. And dad and I, we went diving in this like little inlet, uh, lots of old stuff in it. And dad took a picture of me with like, you can see it on Instagram if you scroll back on my account, but it's basically me in the water going like this with a mask on and all, all those bottles and trash in front of me on this dock. Didn't think anything of it. And I tagged a couple news outlets and a local like Instagram account here in Halifax with like a hundred thousand followers and they shared it. And like within an hour, my entire, everything like skyrocketed. Um, it, 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 it caught, I think it hit like a nerve. Because people were commenting like, I can't believe this much trash is in the ocean and raiding right right our own province. And uh, our local news organizations contacted me <laughs> for like, can you come on this morning show? And I wasn't, I didn't get into it for that. I just loved, I would have done it with, if no one was paying attention. So that kind of took off unexpectedly. And then it kind of morphed into this like saltwater Sean thing that I just gave my name. It's not a, I don't know. I just that's just the name I came up with. And then I was on the news twice or three times, two with the same organization. And then more and more people started following it and it just kind of took on a life of its own. And then I started traveling around the province and checking out different places. I wasn't scuba certified at this point. I was just free diving, snorkeling. And then back in February, I went to get scuba certified. But uh, after two sessions, I actually suffered an ear injury. So my right ear, um, had trouble equalizing. So I, uh, I developed like a tinnitus, like a ringing, which I've learned to live with. It's pretty devastating when it happened, um, to be honest, but I'm, I'm good now. Um, I read that that on your, on your page and I was going to ask you about that because the post that you put on that was, was pretty, um, you know, you were pretty down uh, about that happening. And you yeah. said you know, on that post, I, I'm not sure if I'll be ever be able to go scuba diving again. Uh, yeah. I, that was only like, from what I saw, that was like in May or, or March or something like that. So yeah, at that this was point, March are you, able, 3rd. To, are you yeah. able to scuba dive now or do you see that in the future? So May 25th, I'm going to see my ENT um, and we're going to assess where I'm at because what they did at the time, because I lost uh part of my high range of hearing so basically kind of my hearing goes like this and then it drops then it goes back up so i've lost my mid my mid range um i still got all my hearing in my left ear and most of it in the right but uh it's just something new i had a new challenge that i had to deal with and overcome 
And, uh, but yeah, I was pretty low and, and I've always been a transparent guy. Like I'm very honest about mental health and my wife, uh, she's a big mental health proponent. She's got a podcast herself called optimistically depressed where she, she interviews and talks about mental health very openly and honestly about her struggles. And so that's been just part of our world. So I just, you know, I'm down uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, this is how I'm feeling people. And, and that pe- I did not expect the amount of people to respond, uh, to that, that people cared that much so um that helped me get through it with all that support from my family and friends and but yeah gonna go see the may 25th because they had they had actually put three injections of prednisone like a steroid into my inner ear to hopefully restore the hearing um i i don't it i don't think it's worked to be honest but um basically i'm just gonna meet with the guy and be like listen like this is a passion of mine can I scuba dive or not? Can I, can I equalize properly or not? And if there's any risk at all, like a significant risk to losing all my hearing, I'm probably not going to do it because it's just, I don't, I want to be able to hear my kids or hear music or you know what I mean? That's not worth it enough to me to go deeper. I only want to get it so I can like be like 10 feet under at certain spots that I've located because I know I can just spend time underwater without holding my breath. I'll be able to find something. So yeah. that's the only reason I got into scuba diving was a lot of people get into it because they want to go like deeper and, and they want it like everyone has a different reason for doing it. But I just want to go look for look for stuff. Yeah, we actually did one of, one of our first episode. I think it was our second episode. Uh, we yeah. interview our dad who's really into scuba diving. We're actually both scuba certified. Uh, okay. I, I haven't been in a very, very long time, and, and I don't think you have either. Ethan. It's been it's been probably three years since I've been. But okay. uh, but he we he talks about some scuba diving stories and uh, some of his experiences. You might enjoy that. But uh, uh, and yeah. and for the uh, for the listeners, oh well, yeah, like oh, yeah. I was just gonna say for the listeners out there that that aren't familiar when you scuba dive or even whenever you're just free diving as well, the deeper you go, um, the 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 this is a very layman's terms, right? So the, the higher the pressure. And so you have to equalize the pressure across your, your, your ears and your sinuses. Um, and there's several different ways to do that. But a lot of people will just kind of like hold their nose and lightly blow. And then it kind of pressurizes. If you ever yeah. di- drove down to the bottom of a pool, you'll kind of feel that if it's a deep pool or, or when in an airplane, same thing. Yeah. But, but if you can't do that, then yeah. I remember whenever you were certified, you had a cold and you couldn't get one ear to pressurize yeah. and you kept trying and trying and trying. And it was like, to, you just, we just said, okay, stop. You know, you can't, you don't want to yep. force it. Yeah. Then, they, yeah. They actually tell you not to die when you're sick at all. Um, and so I don't know what was going on with my ear. Like the first day I was underwater probably for about 45 minutes at the bottom of the training pool and felt fine. Like I got out that night and it was muffled, but I thought it was like waterlogged. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I was able to like blow up my ears while I was doing it. I don't know if that just like, it was just an accident. And I know a lot of people who dive, who've had the same problem happen, but they've been diving for 20 years. So hmm. I'm just going to get a proper assessment and see, see what it's about. But, um, yeah. so you said yeah. that you said that on, on, you know, whenever you got into it and you were diving and stuff like that, you found lots of different things, treasures mixed with trash. And you kind of mentioned that you had found yeah. some, some bottles. Um, I kind of want to get into that. So, so when you say bottles, I mean, you talking like glass bottles. I know on, on your, on your Instagram, there's yeah. just tons of different pictures. What, 
I mean, is there, I guess, what's the draw to that? Is it, is it history? Is it, or, I mean, are some of these bottles yeah. valuable or, um, cause there's, it seems That's to be, there's ton and why are there so many? There's just tons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're a port city, so there's tons and tons of history with stuff being discarded by ships from all over the world over a period of 200 years, just dumping stuff in our Harbor, people dumping their trash in the Harbor. A lot of, in in a back in the time, right. It was just, there was no proper trash collection services. So people would just dump their stuff in the ocean. Uh, Glass bottles being one of the most dominant things that people used in their day-to-day life. And I don't know what it is about the attraction of bottles. I think it's the fact that they're intact And that some human a long time ago held it and used it and had a drink of it or used it because they were sick or, um, or whatever reason. And history is told in bottles, right? You know, bottles have been around as long as like since Egyptian days, right? Like it just, it goes back. People always had some kind of something to hold liquid (laughs) to consume. And I just think that, that that's, I love history and I just think that it's kind of such a tangible way to interact with it because you can touch it and you can hold it and you can look at the design of the maker of the bottle of the company. Like I've got a bottle, one of my most rare old bottles is from a period from 1840 to 1860. That's before Canada was a country. That's when pirates were still roaming the seas. Like this bottle's aqua blue, um, and it says John Nash and co in with embossed letters on it. And it's got a blob top. It's what it's called where they, a human being wasn't, wasn't manufactured in a factory. They like, he stamped it on himself. And I just think that is, is really cool. Now a lot of museums aren't really interested in bottles as I've learned, but I've found other things that they might be interested in like clay pipes. There's lots of clay pipes scattered on the ocean floor. I've probably got about 25 of them now. Uh, different designs and makes from all over the world. Um, mostly broken now. The stems usually get, they would smoke them and then break them and throw them in the ocean. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, I'm not really, I don't, I wouldn't even consider myself a bottle collector because I know a lot of people who are really passionate about it, but I'm, it's the thrill of the hunt. It's like something that I, I'll care more about finding this, a bunch of stuff and getting excited about it than like, like my garage is full of bottles. It's not organized. I don't go down to look at it every night. Like, Ooh, look at all these bottles, but there is some stuff that I've kept. That's, you know, pretty old. And I think that that's interesting, but I'm not like, I'll give stuff away or people can come over and be like, do you want this? It's like, it's not, I'm not really like a, a guy who likes to keep a ton of stuff around. I just love, I love the, I love making a video and showing off an experience. That's more what I'm interested in. And bottles kind of help achieve that, finding bottles. Yeah. I mean, I saw that you have one Instagram post and it's like you and your son, I think, or I think it was yeah. your son. You took out all the bottles from your garage and you had just like a ton yeah. of them on your driveway. And I was like, oh man, that guy's, his garage, is, no wonder he can't park his car in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've given away a bunch since then, so I can get. I got my car in the garage this winter. Oh, so good, 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 good. <laughs> uh, but I was going to ask you. So obviously, you find lots of bottles. Um, you, yep. you mentioned one of the rare ones that you found from the 1800s, mid 1800s. That's awesome. That's that's a kind of a cool piece yep. of history. 
two questions. One, you asked, you, you said you had kind of approached some museums. Uh, was that to possibly sell some of your stuff? And then the second question. Well, oh yeah, go ahead. I yeah, that's I I haven't directly approached them, but I talked to a lot of divers who have, because I basically was trying to like gauge like like I've never found gold. I've never found, and if even if I did, I wouldn't admit it. But I haven't found it. <laughs> um, Very smart. Haven't found yeah, it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff is protected by uh, I think a treasure or, or a heritage act that we have in the province. So you know the government owns whatever you know. I think is found off shipwrecks or there's a lot of protected sites. Um, I have been on a shipwreck, but I found like milk bottles off it. I haven't, and maybe I found like an old piece of wood called lignum vitae, which is the oldest, the hardest wood in the world, the most dense wood. And it's like, it was like a, to put ropes through like on galley ships. So I've got a piece of that. It's, it's as heavy as the day it was probably made and never deteriorated underwater after a hundred years. Wow. Um, that's just sitting in my living room, but stuff like that is just like, I think museums are more interested in artifacts that are from like the, I don't know, like bot there's so many bottles. I don't really think that they're, they're of much interest unless there's something really, really specific and unique. And maybe it's like the last one of its kind or something. Um, you, that you, said, if a museum ever saw anything, I'm open. Like they, they can see it. I post everything I find. So if they ever would want something, I'd be happy to put it in a museum. Do you ever like find, I, I've watched a couple of these uh, magnet fishers. In fact, I actually bought one to do it myself because I thought it was so cool. Uh, I haven't had chance oh, to do it yet. It, careful, it's addicting. <laughs> <laughs> I got lots of boys, so I'll, we'll go do it with them. But have you have you found anything doing that or, or, or any type of modern treasures like no, guns or anything like that underwater? Never found a gun. The, the most modern thing I've ever found was a Blackberry phone. Which isn't even that modern anymore. Blackberry phones are gone, but I've never found an iPhone. Like our oceans, just like a lot of the guys on YouTube in the States, especially they find phones in rivers and like a lot of party sites. And it's like, that's kind of cool to me, but I'm like, I love history more. So um, yeah, but I've never, I haven't found any, the most modern thing. Yeah, I think it was that phone, that BlackBerry, which is yeah, which is now 15 years old. I, I thought I saw a picture too that you found like a laptop or something. Oh yeah, right. That I found that. I forgot about that. Yeah, that wasn't working. Worms came out of that when I dumped it. Oh upside down. jeez. That's yeah, cool. I left it there. I left it at the wharf. I was like, I'm not taking this home. This is uh, just trash. It was probably just like off a fishing boat. Anyway, yeah, well, I think that's kind of what you said is, you know, a lot of these YouTube guys that go out and and, and um, they kind of go to like major swimming holes and like, you know, cliffs where people yes. frequently jump off of. And so it's, you know, they can find GoPros and cameras and phones and sure. rings and wallets and sunglasses yep. and all that kind of stuff. But when, when I guess when you're diving more kind of or, or when you're in the water, more of what you're looking at, it's it's. Yeah, it's historical. Stuff I mean, it's thrown from boats. People aren't like particularly yeah. swimming there and thrown from boats and things yeah. like that. And I often scout areas where, and I talk to divers as well about, you know, where did people, where did stuff happen? Where were, where were picnics? Where were group you know, meetings? Or, or where did people gather where they would have thrown out stuff back in the day? Like there's a whole, there's a rail line that goes through the city um, where stewards and stewardesses back in the day would just, 
discard stuff right in right over the side of the ocean so back in february i checked i was like i'm gonna cross the train tracks and found this spot in the bedford basin it's called and just like kind of dove along it and then pulled up a whole bunch of old stuff do you ever and, see any you ever see any wildlife were you there yeah, a lot of you know, fish and stuff. I haven't. There are seals in our in our in our basin, but I haven't. None have come up to me yet. Um, no sharks. No dead bodies. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, no suitcases seriously. full with full of dead bodies. Oh. Like, what's in this suitcase? <laughs> yeah, I have found on land um, some uh, marine markers, which are used by the Navy. They they're phosphorus. I think they stay afloat. And they're always bur- they can always burn underwater. And I found a couple of those that I had to report to the military um, and the police back in, I think that was last month. Um, I stopped going to that beach because it's just too much to report it. Like, Really? So people yeah. have like taken it out of the water and thrown it on the beach or something like that? Or Well, I think, it, I think the Navy has just dropped it in the water for naval exercises and then just left, didn't retrieve it, and then it just washes onto our beaches. So I, I found one, I found two on a beach that like children or dogs could have touched it. Like I touched it. They were like, don't touch it. I didn't know what it was at the time and, uh, extremely flammable and like toxic and they just burn underwater constantly, which is, you can't put them out, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. yeah, I learned learned about that this year. That they were very interested. They were like, "What are you doing? What are you? Why are you finding these things?" <laughs> it's just like I'm just beach. I'm tracking beach all of your military in. movements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so what's the water like? I mean, I know you t- you said you had a yeah. wetsuit. Um, I mean, is it is it cold? Is it uh, uh, is it murky? Yeah. Or is it clear? Is it deep? Is it? I mean, what what typically is the water look? Yeah. Like? So it depends on the area you go. Lakes are pretty murky. A lot of lakes here are pretty like rich in iron. So they're pretty dark. You can't really see. So I don't really go in lakes. I don't like going in lakes anyway, um, just because it's, you know, fair, you know, the water's not as fresh, I would say, as like the ocean. Um, our harbor is pretty clean now. Used to be a problem a long time ago, but they've really cleaned up the harbor. And so I have no problem swimming in it, but I'll have like a mask and full headgear and all that stuff. But yeah, the water, it the clarity of the water is, better in the winter months here so like end of october to february uh so i had to wear a warmer suit in those times because there's just i would die of hypothermia if i was in and are these so. like rocky bottoms that you're or sandy yeah, or ro- rocky, sand, yeah. yeah rocky sandy bottoms um it's not too much there's some places where there's like some coves where water can't really escape so things just build on like sediment and if you kick that up it's your visibility shot. But, um, yeah, like what's it like down there for water visibility? Where have you guys scuba dived in the past? Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick break and say thank you for listening to this episode and invite you to support us on Patreon. As a loyal supporter, you will get exclusive access to two additional episodes per month, which are not released to the public. You can find the link to our Patreon page in the episode description. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, so I mean, North Carolina is one of the best places to to go scuba diving. Uh, well, I mean, they call it the graveyard of the Atlantic because there's so many barrier islands and so many yep. ships are sunk out there. So, my dad has gone scuba diving a lot off the coast of North Carolina. But I mean, 
but if you really want to get like if you like Australia or my dad goes a lot to like the Caribbean and like Bonaire and Dominican Republic. Yeah. I mean, places like that, you don't really have to wear a wetsuit or you wear like a very light wetsuit, probably what you started right. with. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, you know, just 60 feet of visibility. Uh, really nice. Um, yeah. Oh, that's nice. In Florida, there's a really nice scuba dive. And we went, to, when we got certified initially, we had gone down to Florida uh, and we were scuba diving uh, around that area. Uh, yeah, but, we've been uh, to the Bahamas, which is always nice, and and done some shipwrecks and different things there. Uh, I've been to Mexico, yeah. um, and and diving yeah. off of the coast of Mexico is really nice. But most of those places, all of the water is is pretty clear. I mean, it's nice yeah. crystal clear blue water. Even, I mean, the the North Carolina coast, it's not really that clear until you go a little bit further out. Once yeah. you go further out, then it's you know you're you're golden and it's it's fine. Yeah. But, I'd say our heart, like our mostly in our harbor or different parts of our coastline, but it, it's it's pretty clear. There's a lot of sand, a lot of silt. Um, yeah. Depends on the day. Depends on where the tide is, right? Um, like we've got like the world's highest tides on the north part of our province, Bay of Fundy. It's like um, I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but um, it's a it's a like a, it's a one of the world's famous what are those the seven wonders or it used to be it's one of those it's in one category uh-huh. look up the bay of fundy it's the highest tides in the world oh, okay yeah it's pretty interesting the water levels can change like i think 28 to 40 i'm gonna get this someone's gonna call me out on it but basically <laughs> they change dramatically it's a huge course. yeah huge tide really? difference wow that's crazy yeah I'm, so i don't no one dives there because it's dangerous and yeah, foolish wow. you would just yeah, when you get trapped. That's yeah, interesting. So, yeah, around North Carolina, there's the thing is that's kind of cool is that there's whenever there's storms, hurricanes come by through and they kick up all the dirt and all the sand in the ocean, and then all these wrecks come out of the woodwork, and then people go out and you know and so cool, and they just find all these ships. In fact, did we tell the story about Dad and that one ship? So there was that my dad knew this uh dive shop captain uh, and uh off the coast of north carolina and he said that he was aware of a russian ship that had sunk a russian like freighter that had sunk and it was mostly buried uh and apparently the rumor was that on this freighter there was some type of there was a big safe inside that thing and it had something valuable in it and so um some hurricane came through and it you know, those always kick up all the sand. It and so changes the whole landscape at the bottom. Of course, so, yeah. And he was like, I got to go out there and check that thing out. Uh, and he went out there uh, like two weeks later and he found that safe had been pulled out of the freighter, was on the bottom of the thing, and it had been welded. It, someone had taken a welder and opened it up and, and it was totally empty. A plasma cutter and cut it open, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Pretty wild, right? And there was another that is- story that my dad was telling us, and this is a little bit longer story. Well, I think we might do a podcast about this specifically, but where this guy, um, there's a U-boat. This guy found a U-boat off the coast of North Carolina, a German, old German U-boat that sunk. Yeah. And uh, he found it, and he identified it, and he actually uh, found, reached out to the, the captain of the U-boat. Uh, was this still was, alive in was Germany. Still alive in, he was still alive in Germany. And this is probably early 2000s, and he reached out to him, and the captain told him, yeah, go down and swim into my captain's chambers and uh, 
get open the safe. This is the combination. And so the dude went down, he dove down into the sub. Uh, he went into the captain's chamber, opened the, opened the thing, and he pulled out a, like a vest and an old German Luger and some, some papers or something. Yeah, it was like a uniform or something like that. That and uh, so he pulled it out, and the guy let him keep it. And in his dive shop, he's got that vest and the German oh, the Luger. Wow! Isn't wow! That, that crazy, right? I love stories like that. I love them. Apparently, the German guy—he was a young guy, a young, young captain—and it was his first commission. He was the the captain of, the, of a submarine, and back then they would give like bounties uh, for. However many, if you killed a ship, if you sunk a ship, you would get a big bounty. And he tried to sink like a big, like U.S. warship. And so his first, like actual battle, he got sunk, and half the guys on board the submarine died down there. Uh, And so half of them got out, including the captain, obviously, because he he survived Mm -hmm. later. But uh, just wild story. That's so cool. I would listen to a podcast just about that. <laughs> so so needless to say, there is so much out there in the ocean sure. that is just like, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. But um, I know that you had said that you kind of in this, your dad is a scuba diver and you had yep. you had gotten into this and, and did he kind of, did you get him into going out looking for stuff as well or had well, he done yeah. that before? or? I- yeah, he um, like he's been certified as long since I was a kid, and he's been to a lot of you know the wrecks and stuff like that. And then this year, when I was like, "Dad, I'm doing this. Do you want to come with me?" And he was like, "Yeah, we got. Well, that sounds like fun." And it just kind of became like a father bonding, father son bonding experience. And then he really just he wasn't really so much into like the environmental side of things. He would just like pick up things that he found interesting and then kept them. But he's seeing me like haul out all this trash every time I went out kind of inspired him to also want to do that. So he got like a bigger dive bag and he would take out as much as he could as well. The times that we've been together. So yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's fun. Usually I'm solo when I do a lot of my free diving and snorkeling and stuff. So not a ton of people don't recommend it. My wife's not too happy that I do this all the time, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty hyper aware and pretty safe. Like I play pretty safe. If I'm feeling even like a slight bit tired, I get out. Like I don't ever tempt it. I don't push myself um, to get one more thing. It just never, it's never worth it. Right. So, yeah. And so, I'm, I'm a strong swimmer. And, yeah. Now that you have uh, kind of, you're, you're figuring out the ear situation and everything. Um, yep. y- you said you've kind of transitioned maybe more to, to land and searching for yeah. things on land. I mean, how are you, how are you getting leads? I thought I saw on your Instagram that like you had someone on Instagram said, Hey, go check out this place. And you found some stuff or are you digging? Are you metal yeah, detecting? I, um, how does the land work? Yeah, the land stuff, the, uh, I, it's like, I still needed that, that and we're talking about the thrill of the hunt earlier. The land stuff was kind of like, okay, I'm land bound. I was beach combing. It's kind of fun, but it, it's really sucks when you can't get in the water to go look for stuff. And a lot of stuff that's already on shore, people have found it. So I started like researching, like I've seen a lot of guys that I follow on Instagram are bottle diggers. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. Like digging up history, kind of like archaeology a bit. So I started like, I put out a, 
a couple of people gave me a couple of leads on like old city dumps and I would just, I just went and checked them out and, uh, found out, found that I had a lot of fun digging, digging for stuff and, you know, old farms or old houses, people just like in the ocean, they would dump their stuff and bury it in old privies. Um, so actually today someone just texted me. I don't actually know who it is. I have to figure out who it is, but the name's not with the number, but they were like, I own this piece of land there. I know of a city dump on it. You can go, go look. It's like, how'd you get my number? As a serial <laughs> but, killer, um, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, I you think just, it's someone I know. Yeah. Text them yeah, back. Uh, got a new phone. Who's this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people have been really generous and like giving me information. Cause they just, yeah, I just love, I just like kind of scan things just like when I'm underwater. I'm just like, okay where would stuff have been, you know, and you talked earlier about value. Like I'm not completely like, you know, I'll give everything away because I found stuff that is definitely valuable. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, don't know what I'm going to do with all these bottles. So I start, I started saying I might just start something separately and just sell them and then use it to buy like dive gear. <laughs> so, yeah. cause like once, once I, find out my diving and water situation, I'm going to go right back because that's my true like passion. And that came out earlier. I, I meant to like tie that back to the, I, I started the whole story about not drinking alcohol, but diving and free, free diving and snorkeling kind of like changed the trajectory for me. Like uh, today's day, I've lost count now. It's like 450 now or something that I've not drank and which is really important to me and 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 so my energies and focus my energy and focus has gone into treasure hunting which i and environmentalism which i didn't really think was something that i would have cared about but by freeing up that part of my my mind um and that i don't know that lifestyle you know and the pandemic honestly helped with that not being able to go out yeah. Well, you found a healthy outlet for your frustrations yeah. or yeah. for your sense of adventure. Uh, you, it's important yeah. to have a, a mission or a purpose. And so, you know, going down yeah. and hunting for treasure, but then also leaving a place better than you found it. I mean, that's, those are very yeah. noble ideals and, uh, at fun at the same well, time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That, that, thank you. It's nice hearing that. I don't like what I'm doing and I'm just like, you know, I, I feel like it's a, it's, um, my duty as a person on earth to take care of beer. You know, the, I just was reminded, uh, you know, someone might think, well, you know, taking a bottle out of the bottom of a river doesn't really matter that much. But in the movie, in the recording of the movie, The Lord of the Rings, I don't know if you know this, but and at the end of the first yeah. one, there's a scene when, uh, you know, Frodo's in a boat and then Samwise walks out into the river and he's like, I'm coming. And he's like, don't come. And then he looks, he's yeah. like underwater and then Frodo saves him. Apparently, and when they filmed that scene, when he was walking out, he stepped on a glass bottle and he cut his foot really bad. Uh, and he, they had to pause filming for a while because, uh, you know, the guy who plays Sam Wise the Brave uh, was oh, really man. injured from that. So uh, don't let anybody ever tell you that not pulling bottles out of the rivers isn't do, yeah. any good. I know. I, I've heard, you know, I've seen, I've seen animals like crabs stuck in bottles, fish stuck in bottles. Um, you know, people say, you know, bottles are just sand and heat, right? And it's just like, well, you know, like they they can cause problems like you just described for a lot of people. 
and they don't belong. They don't belong in the water. That's not where they're supposed to be, right? So, and they take like something like a million years to decompose. So, that's a long like time. I had to look it up. Is that longer than styrofoam? Like, <laughs> <laughs> styrofoam's like three million. <laughs> Twinkies are like yeah, four million. <laughs> when I when I find plastic bags underwater, I'm like, I'm just mad. I'm just like, come on, who did this? Yeah, right? I did a the, um, the modern the modern beer cans too. I'm just like, come on, man. Yeah, I did a. Uh, this was many many years ago, um, but in high school, in order to like graduate, we had to do what's called a senior exit project. And so you had to, your junior year, you wrote like a thesis paper and then on a, on an issue or something like that. And then on your senior year in high school, you had to um, like present this thing and do like do a portion of a project. And so mine was actually building awareness to um, all of the trash that gets left in the ocean. And I did tons of research and actually this was the same time I, I was, we were pretty into scuba diving and um, one of the trips or the trip that went down to Mexico was kind of a um, part of this project that I did and we we're scuba diving. And part of the research that I, that I was doing is there are certain, um, uh, they call them, they're like floating islands of trash. In, in the middle of the ocean that yeah. kind of the trash kind of f- follows some of these currents and things like that. And they kind of yeah. congregate and they just kind of get hooked together. And I mean, it, it's like such, there's so much of it that you can like pull a boat up to it and walk on it. And it's like, yeah. you know, hundreds and hundreds of ocean. yards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like massive all in the middle of the ocean. It's just an Island of trash. And so it was just out. It was, crazy to to learn about not only what it potentially can do to the environment or whatever else but just the yep. uh how much trash is actually in the ocean and so that that conservationist of kind of taking stuff yeah. out is yeah maybe it uh maybe it seems small but i think it's an excellent mindset to have for sure agreed and like i just i get a kick out of like showing how much stuff i pulled out it's like the shock value right People are just like, what? Yeah. It actually led to, I'm, I'm partnering with an organization in the States that reached out to me called Project Aware. And they they get people to log their dives um, for what they find in the ocean. So I started like, I have a backlog of everything I've ever found. So I've just slowly been adding it to this website to kind of really show off how much stuff I've really pulled out. Like if I were to look at all the pictures. I tried to figure this out the other day, how many pounds of stuff I would have taken out of the ocean all by myself. Countless, countless trips of dragging a bag behind me to my car for like, a, you know, a couple, I say kilometers, you guys are miles, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I just, I would feel wrong not taking it with me. Mm-hmm. Like to, to find the, to find the stuff and be like, yeah, I'm just going to leave this here. <laughs> yeah you said no, you, you said doesn't sit right yeah you talked about a few things that you found like that piece of wood or that old bottle what's been your favorite yep. thing that you found um, of all the things or maybe top two yeah the top two i would say definitely the one is the bottle i wish i should have brought it I should have had it with me i could have put it up here but um you can you can send us a picture and we'll put it in yeah 
Okay. Yeah. There's a good picture of it on my Instagram. If you scroll down, but I'll send it, I'll send it to you guys. Cool. Um, I would say the other thing would be a clay pipe that I have, um, that said it was made in like Glasgow, Scotland, um, with a stamp right on the, I didn't even know it was there. I was cleaning it up and I was like, what's this? And there was like a little stamp of the town that this had been made in. And it was like 200 years ago. And I was like, that's like generations. My grand grandfather wasn't even alive. Right. It's at this point, it's just so cool. I would say the, the clay pipes and the, yeah, the antique vintage handmade bottles. Yeah. The history. I've, I've never found a coin, nothing metal, nothing Yeah, So I need to get an underwater metal detector, I think. Yeah, for sure. The history that goes along with something like that. I mean, how did a a pipe from Scotland get yeah. into a port in in you know Nova Scotia? And it's just like, how did it get there? Who had it? Yeah. You know, did did some guy was yeah, some guy on I a know. boat? Was he on a boat and then he threw it off the side, or did he accidentally drop it? Or did you know? Yeah. It's just like two hundred years yeah. ago. It's like man, and just think of the ships that they had two hundred years ago. I mean, that was all like that was all like sailing ships, right? I mean, it, they didn't they didn't have no that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about it, man. It's like, and it's, I get such a, it's so cool. when I go to a new port or area or a new wharf or dock, just like in people. And I've done some research on, you know, how, how it used to be and, and what it was used for. And it's just like, anything could really be anywhere. Um, especially in the ocean, like stuff washes in all the time. Every time I, I've gone to the same place um, in a little inlet probably like 10 times. And every time I've been to the same place, the whole landscape underneath is different. And I found something new. Hmm. It's like, it never, it's like, that's what I love about the ocean. That's why lakes aren't as fun because they just sit there, right? Yeah. They're not moving. Yeah. Well, you, you also have a, a photography is your, I didn't yep. see, is your photography, you have a, like a separate Instagram for your photographer or is it the same one? Yeah. It's just, just my name, Sean D. McMullen, D, D for okay. David. Um, sounds like that's a new and, passion uh, that you've gotten as well with this whole thing, right? Yeah. Well, I've been a photographer probably since my journalism days in 2006. Um, I started most recently in 2016 sharing my stuff to Instagram and social media. Cause I didn't really before my sister was like, you should do that. I was like, okay. So I did. And it, yeah, that took on a life of its own as well. And, it's allowed me to travel and, and do really cool stuff with it. And then I started filming weddings on the side in the last couple of years. And that's like, it's like anything. I just look at something. I'm like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to try to do my best. And a lot of people react to it. So I just, I don't know. I always just try to inject my personality into anything that I do. I will say too that uh, some of those pictures, I mean, the landscapes and different things like that are just outstanding. I mean, I was flipping through it. And I was like, oh, oh wow. He's really good. And it's just like, <laughs> thank you. So how yeah, has, I just yeah, kind I was of just a, say recently oh, go I ahead. got, uh, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, recently I had a cool honor. I was published in a, can uh, like there's Canadian geographic. It's not national geographic, but it's the Canadian arm. And I got published in that, um, this, yeah, this year. That was pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, how so has how has that um, you know the, the photography yeah. and everything 
Um, obviously, that that's successful, and and you you know you got published. How has that kind of melded with um, this new kind of treasure hunting hobby portion of your of your life? Yeah. I mean, and and how did does that kind of mix with YouTube as well? I mean, how do how do all how do all those come together? Yeah. I think it's that's a great question. It's a perfect storm actually of stuff because like the wedding videography, I kind of taught myself how to film weddings. And because of that, I learned how to film, like film, like, and just fell in love with videography and cinematography. And then the photography, you know, I, I'm very comfortable with that. And then the treasure hunting, I was like, I see, I saw a lot of guys on, a lot of treasure hunters um, online that would just like stuff from their phone or not, not composed very well. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to kind of turn, take that art form and put it into my treasure hunting and make it more visually interesting so people would engage with it more versus just like you could take the same picture a thousand different ways. Um, but there's one way that's going to get a lot of people to really care about something to show in perspective. So I started just merging the two passions and then the taking the videography from weddings into um, my YouTube channel, which I'm really trying to grow. Cause I'm like, well, if I'm doing this, well, maybe I can get some cha-ching from uh, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. So I'm uh, YouTube is hard to make money right at the beginning, but like I've been working hard and I've got like a 1,124 subscribers, but I need to get like my watch hours up over a certain amount to make money. Yeah. So that'll, that'll take some time, but I'm super in like what I've learned about YouTube is like, I think you have to be being super niche is actually a good thing. If you're too broad, then I don't think it doesn't really work out for you. So the more the more concentrated something is, the more that people will look for it because they're interested in it as well. And I think treasure hunting has kind of bloomed on YouTube in the last during the pandemic, to be honest. Yeah, for like sure. You're all you're always seeing recommended stuff for magnet fishers, bottle diggers, scuba divers, cave whatever. hunters, people going exploring old mines. I love like like cave yeah. exploring and exploring old mines. It's I have a sucker yeah, for those yeah. kind of videos. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, I've been, I'm enjoying the YouTube side of things, learning a lot about YouTube and I've made friends that way all over the world in that community, um, which has been important to me. Like a guy in Baltimore is a bottle digger, a friend, he's a metal detector in Australia, people I never would have met if I hadn't engaged in this. And now the people that I message now, like on my, like I'll text them. Yeah. Right. Just like their friends. So that's really important to me too, is community. Uh, community building through whatever I do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and we're 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 so excited to get to know you as well, and you know, maintain that relationship with you and and, and follow you in, yeah. in your journey. And uh, but but before we and we we got to ask you. I yep. we ask every guest uh, to share a piece of their creed or mantra with us. And you mentioned at the beginning that it had something mm. to do with uh, your your goal for sobriety, and uh, so. Want to definitely hear yeah. hear that piece of your creed? For sure. Well, a mentor friend of mine a few years ago, him and I were talking about this kind of my how I was feeling in life and and my you know satisfaction with life and my thoughts on things. I was going through a lot of different emotional, spiritual things in my life, and I just wasn't really sure. I think it's common to a lot of guys and gals in their thirties, early thirties, to kind of question everything in life and question the institutions that raised you and everything. 
and all that stuff and um and kind of examine where you are in your life and then he just kind of like stopped me and he was like he asked me a question he's like is what you're doing does that align with your goals that was it and it sounds like so simple and i had to really think about it and then i started actively putting that into my life like daily i would ask whatever i did no matter what it was does this align with my goals and if it didn't because i i established my goals sometimes i didn't even and then other times i didn't even know what my goals were but i had an inkling of what they were so by asking myself every day whether it was choosing to go with my friends go on a date with my wife hang with my kids um whatever it is um doing work uh doing stuff in my job you know standing up for myself on something does it align with my goals yes or no and that honestly has been like i'm not really into self help stuff and you know and i and i and i take what people say with a grain of salt but that phrase like i i tell people that now all the time like it sounds so easy but it's like if you really think about it is what it's what you're doing um if it doesn't align with your goals and get it out right does it just just cut it and yeah i kind of wished i i i probably heard it earlier in my life but it it didn't mean anything and now it does yeah so i i think i i want to ask you a question about that so when the guy said that did you say yep. well i already know what my goals are or did you say, well, maybe I need to think about what goals I even have? Yeah, it was the second part. I had to think, I, I, I thought I knew what they were, but I clearly didn't. And he was like, do you want to become X? Do you want to become Y? Um, and if, is what you're doing going to lead to that? If it's not, get rid of it. So drinking... Um, that was one of the biggest, biggest things that I, and, I, and that's, I had tried quitting drinking several times uh, before because I, I, I didn't really want it part of my life, but I would go like 50 days, 60 days here and there that I'd start again. And then when I was like in January, this in 2020, I was like, okay, this is it. Like I'm, this isn't what I want to be. This is not what I want in my life. It's done because it didn't align with who I wanted to be as a person, uh, that goal. So I cut it, you know, and the treasure hunting, do I, does that align with my goals right now? Yes, it does. So I'm going to pursue it. Right. And I just ask myself that simple question every time. And I liked what you said too, you know, even if you don't know all of your goals exactly, even if you have kind of like an inkling of what those goals might be, I mean, obviously you need to to have goals and to have a, a certain direction that you want to get to, a, you know, an, an ending or, or whatever it might be. But, yep. you know, even if you kind of have an inkling of what you want to do, and then when you wake up in the morning and maybe you're in this process of figuring out your goals, but you wake up in the morning and you say, is this going to help me progress? Is what I'm doing or is, is this specific thing going to help me get in that general direction that I want to go? And if it does, then great. And oh. if it doesn't, then, then kick it out. You know, yep. it's something that I can do, tomorrow or you know someone can do tonight as but you know before they go to yeah. bed if they want to change something up or should i stay up yep. late does that align with my goals or should i go to bed in you know, a little bit earlier and 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 you know be more productive yeah. tomorrow whatever it may be and so i i really like that does it align with my goals and does it does it help me get to that yeah. point and if it doesn't 
take it out. That's right. And it sounds like super simple, but that's maybe that's just the best way of looking at it because if you're not constantly kind of assessing where you're at and just kind of just going with the flow, you don't even know you, you could just be wasting time. Yeah. Right. And, um, yeah. yeah, so that's that's my that's my thing these days. I like it. <laughs> that's excellent. You know, I, I I totally agree with that. And every day, we in fact, we at the beginning of the year, we did kind of a challenge to. It was kind of a New Year's challenge to to work out uh, thirty minutes a day, to do something intellectual, to do something spiritual, and also uh, do a goals journal. And one of our, our prior guests talked about uh, writing down five of your goals. Uh, of the same goals every single day. And I've been doing that since January. And these are just kind of five overarching life goals or, or maybe five-year goals uh, you know, that I want to do. And yep. writing those down every single day makes me think, like my first one is be the best version of a husband, father, and friend that I can be. That's my first goal. And so whenever I write that, and then the next one is that I have is uh, serve others and grow closer to God daily. And so thinking about mm-hmm. those things, I'm like, what am I going to do today to try to achieve this goal? And that's exactly what you yeah. said is like, um, am I doing, am, am I trying to seek after my goals? And that's, and as why I write that down every single morning, uh, even though it's the same mm. thing every single morning, I, I kind of have that mentality that you're talking about every morning. I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not repeating it to yourself in your life every day in your brain, will forget it. Your brain is just, that's what will happen. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. And like trusting, trusting that instinct, I've learned to trust it more as I've gotten older, as I've kind of gotten away from like different authorities in my life. I'm just like, okay, you know what, Sean, just like, just listen, just, you know, just listen to how you're feeling and assessing things and thinking about things. And that's, um, you know, I get, I get stuff wrong like any person. Um, but it's the point to keep trying, right? Yeah. yeah. Just got to keep For doing sure. it. Well, Sean, where can uh, the people who are listening or watching, where, where can they find you? Where can they find your content? Yeah. Um, so YouTube, my catchy name, Saltwater Sean, S-E-A-N. And you can go on YouTube and search that up. And I'm trying to get subscribers. It's really hard to get people to subscribe. Yep, subscribe on to Sean. <laughs> yeah. And because you got to have like an account and you got to hit that red button and subscribe. It's the people because the thing with YouTube, people can just watch it. They don't have yeah. to subscribe. So, um, and then on Instagram, same thing, Facebook, um, it's pretty easy to find me. Um, and we'll yeah, put those in the it. show notes. So, we'll put those, uh, links in the episode description, uh, of this episode. Cool. And so, you know, John, this has been great. It's been great in getting to know you and, and thank you for sharing yeah. your hobby with us and for sharing that creed with us. Yes. And, uh, you know, for, for our listeners out there, uh, please comment, uh, follow Sean and, and comment on, on what, uh, you know, whatever platform you're listening or watching this on. And, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. So, uh, to everybody out there, let's build that creed together. All right, let's do it. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. All right. Thanks a lot, guys.